This is the day the Lord has made. Thank you for joining us in worship today. We praise God for you and however you're listening. We pray the message you receive will allow you to strengthen your relationship in Christ and build his kingdom as we seek God, shape lives, and serve the world. Our scripture for today, Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, Galatians 5, verses 13 through 15. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Let us pray. God, our creator, sustainer, redeemer, we ask in a special way that you would speak to us. We're your servants, that we might hear your word and then be followers of your word to do your will. Have your way, God. Have your way. We're, the, we're just clay. You're the potter. Just mold us and make us after your will. We give you praise, honor, and glory. Let us hear your word and then follow your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Our subject today, real freedom. Freedom, freedom. We do not have to live miserable, saddened, depressed, hopeless lives. Even in what seems to be the midst of what may appear to be some of the worst times ever. So I say to you today, Happy Independence Day. The 4th of July on tomorrow. Yes. Was when the Declaration of Independence was signed. In an article, in an article written by Yehuda Williams of June 29, 2020, he states with its sawing rhetoric about all men being created equal, the Declaration of Independence gave a powerful voice to the values behind the American Revolution. Critics, however, saw a glaring contradiction. Many of the colonists who sought freedom from British tyranny themselves bought and sold human beings by underpinning America's economy with the brutal institution of chattel slavery. They deprived roughly one-fifth of the population of their own inalienable right to liberty. What, hasn't, what isn't widely known, however, is that the founding father, Thomas Jefferson, in an early version of the Declaration, drafted a 168-word passage that condemned slavery as one of the many evils upon the colonies by the British crown, forced on the colonies by the British crown. The passage was cut from the final wording. So while Jefferson is created with infusing the declaration with enlightenment-derived ideals of freedom and equality, the nation's founding document, its moral mission statement, would remain forever silent on the issue of slavery. That omission 
would create a legacy of exclusion for people of African descent that endangered centuries of struggle over basic human and civil rights. In his initial draft, Jefferson blamed Britain's King George for his role in creating and perpetuating the transatlantic slave trade, which he describes in so many words as a crime against humanity. These are his words about the king. He has raged cruel war against human nature itself, violating its most sacred rights of life and liberty in the persons of a distant people who never offended him, captivating and carrying them into slavery in another hemisphere or to incur miserable death in their transportation thither. Jefferson went on to call the institution of slavery piratical warfare, excrucible commerce, and an assemblage of horrors. Then he criticized the crown for exciting those very people to rise in arms against us and to purchase that liberty of which he has deprived them by murdering the people of whom he also obstructed them, thus paying off former crimes committed against the liberties of one people with crimes which he urges them to commit against the lives of others. Amen. This passage refers to a 1775 proclamation by Britain's Lord Dunmore, which offered freedom to any enslaved person in, Ameri in the American colonies who volunteered to serve in the British army against the Patriots' revolt. The proclamation inspired thousands of enslaved people to seek liberty behind British lines during the Revolutionary War. So why was the Declaration Anti-Slavery Passage removed? Why do we not see it in what is now we call the Declaration of Independence? The exact circumstances of the passage removal may never be known. The historical record doesn't include details of the debates undertaken by the Second Con uh, Continental Congress. What is known is that the 33-year-old 30, the Jefferson, who composed the declaration between June 11th and June 28th of 1776, sent a rough draft to members of a pre-selected committee, including John Adams and Benjamin Franklin. 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 For edicts ahead of his presentation to the Congress, between July 1 and July 3, congressional delegates debated the document, during which time they exercised Jefferson, they, by doing what time they exercised Jefferson's anti-slavery clause. The removal was mostly fueled by political and economic expediencies. While the 13 colonies are already deeply divided on the issue of slavery, both the South and the North have financial stakes in perpetrating it. Southern plantations, a key engine in the colonial economy, needed free labor to produce tobacco, cotton, and other cash crops for export back to Europe. Northern shipping merchants, who also played a role in the economy, remained dependent on the triangle between Europe, Africa, and the Americas that included the traffic in enslaved Africans. Decades later, in his autobiography, Jefferson primarily blamed two southern states 
for the clause removal while acknowledging somewhat the North of old as well. He says, the clause uh, reprobating the enslaving the inhabitants of Africa was struck out of compliance to South Carolina and Georgia, who had never attempted to restrain the importation of slaves, and who, on the contrary, still wished it to continue. Our northern brethren also, I believe, felt a little tender under these censures, for though their people have very few slaves themselves, yet they had been pretty considerably carriers of them to others. To call slavery a cruel war against human nature itself may have accurately reflected the values of many of the founders, but it also underscored the paradox between what they said and what they did. Jefferson, after all, had been tasked with writing a document to reflect the interests of an assemblage of slave-owning colonies with a profound commercial interest in preserving the trade in human beings. One-third of the Declaration signers were personally enslavers and even in the North, where abolition was more widely favored, states passed gradual emancipation laws designed to slowly phase out the practice. Jefferson himself had a complicated relationship to the peculiar institution. Despite his philosophical abhorrence of slavery and his ongoing legislative efforts to abolish the practice, Jefferson, over his lifetime, enslaved more than 600 people, including his own children with his enslaved concubine, Sally Hennings. On his death in, 1860, in 1826, Jefferson, long played with death, chose to free five of the human beings he claimed as property in his lifetime. Such conflicts didn't go unnoticed. How was it possible wrote British, um, wrote British writer Samuel Johnson at the start of the war. How is it possible that we hear the loudest yelps for liberty among the drivers of Negroes? American loyalist and former governor of Massachusetts, Thomas Hutchinson, echoed these sentiments in his strictures upon the declaration of the Congress at Philadelphia. He said... I could wish to ask the delegates of Maryland, Virginia, and the Carolinas how their constituents justify the depriving more than 100,000 Africans of their rights to liberty and the pursuit of happiness, and in some degree to their lives, of these rights, if these rights are so absolutely unalienable. The legacy of the foundation omission, the signers ultimately replaced the deleted clause with a passage highlighting King George's excitement of domestic insurrections among us for stirring up warfare against the colonies and native tribes, leaving the original passage to a footnote to which might have been seen. Indeed, removing Jefferson's condemnation of slavery would prove the most significant deletion from the Declaration of Independence. The founders' failure to directly address the question of slavery exposed the hollowness 
of the words, all men created equal. Nonetheless, the underlying ideals of freedom and equality expressed in the document have inspired generations of Americans to struggle to obtain their inalienable rights. Just a little history about First African Baptist Church and the Reverend George Lau, our first pastor. When we hear that Reverend George Lau, our first pastor, during the American Revolutionary War and our congregation, First African, when we hear that they were pro-British during the American Revolutionary War, folk would say, how unpatriotic that sounds. Why would Reverend George Lau, why would members of the congregation want the British to win? Well, the British said, if we win, we will not have slavery in this colony. Now, so Reverend George Lyle, as we know, the British lost the war. Y'all know that. <laughs> the British lost, the colonists won. Thus, this is the Declaration of Independence from Britain. So the colonists won. So for fear of being re-enslaved, George Lyle sailed with the British to Jamaica. And in Jamaica, because he had had his freedom, and in Jamaica, he started the first Baptist church in Jamaica, making him the first Baptist missionary from America, or what would become America. Well, when we say that, you might say, well, he's poor British. But, but, let, but let me say this. Even the British were saying that if those who were enslaved would help them defeat the colonists, they would no longer be enslaved. Um, that kind of sounds like something that they said during the um, next war, the, um, yeah, Civil War. <laughs> I wonder where 100 years later they get that idea from that we could use those who were enslaved, we could use them to help us win the war. They were being used as pawns in a strategically planned game of life an evil institution that benefited many who did not look like us. But we know today we would never allow that to happen to us again. We would never allow that to happen to us again. Or would we? The 13th Amendment abolished slavery. The 14th Amendment gave citizenship to all people born in the U.S., the 15th Amendment gave black Americans the right to vote. The 13th Amendment, passed by Congress on January 31st, 1865, and ratified on December 6th, 1865, the 13th Amendment abolished slavery in the United States and provides that, I quote, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction except as a punishment for crime. So constitutionally speaking, and you know we have a lot of people who want to make sure you follow the Constitution to the letter of the law. Constitutionally speaking, slavery is still legal. So what keeps this alive and well? 
what, what keeps perpetuating this? And what keeps perpetuating this when there are so many African-Americans all over this nation that are, in fact, now incarcerated, much more than the number of a percentage of African-Americans that occupied the United States. We occupied too many more places in prison. What, what, how does this keep going? How is this made alive? How, how does this nation still thrive through capitalism on slavery? What keeps this alive? Well, there's lack of opportunity. There's poverty. There's miseducation. There's commercialism. And just plain old greed. Systemic evil. We are entrapped. We are enslaved. But the question is, how can we get free? How can we have real freedom? Seeing that we all want and need real freedom, let's look at who can and who has set, set us free and what real freedom looks like. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 15. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. The gospel according to John chapter 8, verse 36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Now in Galatians, Apostle Paul is speaking of salvation to a profession of faith in Christ. He's speaking that once you've come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you've given yourself to him, and you pledge to follow him, then that's all that's needed to be saved. But there were others, the Judaizers and others, who were saying, no, if you're going to be saved, if you're going to have the relationship that we have with God, you're going to have to follow some Jewish customs and traditions first. Men, you have to be circumcised. And, and it went on through a number of things that they were beginning to say you have to do in order to have this freedom in Christ. And Paul got very incensed by that. Paul got very upset with folk adding stuff to what the Lord has already done. He said, if you're adding stuff to, to people and telling them that they have to do this and do that and be circumcised and all of this, when Jesus died on the cross... For all of our sins, when he died, it's his blood that washed away all of our sins, not his blood and other stuff. It's just his blood. Paul got so insistent with that, he said, if anybody's telling y'all that all the men, if he said, if you got to be, if anybody's telling you that you have to be circumcised, let me tell you what to tell them. Tell them to go ahead and tell you to cut it all off. <laughs> that comes in the verses just before the verse we started reading. Paul was just that upset with what other people were saying to them. Understand this. When we're talking about freedom, we don't have to wait on the institutionalized, uh, in an institutionalized system to give us the freedom that God has already granted. God uses us. God, listen, God has blessed in such a powerful way. But Part of the issue is, like what we have with Juneteenth, there are so many people that once free did not know they were free. 
And today in our society, there are so many folk that do not know that God loves them so much that Jesus died for their sins, rose from the grave, that they can be free from all of the strife, the turmoil, everything they're going to because there's a God who loves them and cares for them. Now, how do they get to know that God loves them? How do they get to know that God cares for them? We've been talking about this from TNT 40. And I've mentioned the first century church, specifically to narrow it down to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Look at what the first church did, and this is what I'm hoping the first church will do. <laughs> We're going to look at what the first century church did, and I'm praying that this is what the first African Baptist church will do. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, again, Understand this, all of our ministry leaders, all of our ministries, every, everybody connected with First African Baptist Church and auxiliaries that we've touched anyway in 40 years, all we're saying is this. The Word of God teaches us that the first century church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking the bread, and the prayers. You know we've been in prayer for a while about how God would use us to make a difference in our community so we'll be able to address gun violence specifically for this summer. We've been in prayer about that. And we came together, and we, it, was, it was shown to us what God had said to those of us who prayed. And we were able to go beyond that. So we did pray. But not only prayer, said they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching. Very important. You would have to admit that a number of the sermons we've had for the last two years through the pandemic, and even before, a number of our service, sermons dealt with the teachings of Jesus. That is what the apostles had. The apostles' doctrine, the apostles' teaching, were things that they were taught when they were disciples. Jesus taught the disciples, the disciples became apostles. So the very things that we're teaching and we're learning from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and from really the whole Bible, we're learning what Jesus taught. If we learn truly what Jesus taught, even this passage helps us to break it down because you say, well, he taught a whole lot. Those are four whole Bible, books of the Bible you got to read, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I had read all of that. Jesus broke it down for us. He said, a new commandment I give you. In um, John 13, 34, he says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Wow. That's the apostles' doctrine. That's Jesus' teaching. That's what we're learning. Now, the reason that's so important after we pray is that if we can allow God's love to live in us, if we can let this mind be in us, which is also in Christ Jesus, if we could love the way that Christ loved us, if we could turn it around and say, I'm going to love you, not, not the way you love me, but I'm going to love you like Christ loved me. If we could do that, and then how do we do this? Once we do this, I know many of us are saying, well, I don't hang around the people that do that kind of stuff. I, I don't know the folk that's out there shooting. I don't know the folk that's been shot at. I don't know the folk that's depressed. You say you don't know them. Well, we know they exist. We know they're in our community. And we know they frequent many times uh, right across the street over in City Market. It's my understanding they had another shooting last night right over in City Market and had one last week. I am not suggesting that you wait till next Sunday night, next Saturday night to get out there and do that. That's not what I'm suggesting. But I am saying that we know communities from which they come. They don't live there. And if we're going out into the communities, and this is where it says by breaking the bread, if we're going in the communities and we're having cookouts, if we're going to communities and we're having lunch, 
If you're going to the community having breakfast, if you're going to the community and doing whatever God is leading you and your ministries and auxiliaries to do, if you're going there and say, hey, come get something to eat, listen, everybody eats. See, y'all look like y'all don't believe me. Everybody eats. I, I don't care what status you are in life. Poor, middle class, high class, upper class, rich, <laughs> black, white, Hispanic, Asian, everybody eats. I, when this, this leaped out at me when it said breaking the bread. And if we're going to communities and we're saying free food, especially as much food costs now. <laughs> Yes, sir. And if we're able to allow God to use us, and, and listen, there are many opportunities for folks to join with us to help us in doing this. And we're going into some of these communities, and as we're in those communities, we're beginning to say, just come and eat, come and share, come and fellowship. And then if we could take on love, if we could take on the love that Christ has, and when we see them and around them and listen to them and see them, if we could go to them and stop criticizing and condemning them, if we could go to them and listen to them, listen to what they're saying, listen to what they're going through, you'll find out the heartaches and the headaches they're having is similar to the heartaches and the headaches we're having and you're having. You'll find out God has given us compassionate hearts that we can help them through what they're doing through. Many times just by listening and letting folk talk. Do you realize how many folk have been traumatized and have nobody to talk to? Every time they tell somebody, well, you know, my situation is so bad. I just saw somebody shot. Oh, you saw somebody shot and killed? Man, I saw three people shot and killed. You don't know what you seen. I saw somebody shot and killed. Well, you, your, your family bad? My family worse than yours. No, 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 no. That's not what they need to hear. They need to have somebody who will take time to listen and then begin to ha have an opportunity to share what the Lord has done in your life and then encourage them to pray. That's all we're asking. Now, listen, First African. I, listen, I know we ain't never done this before. I know somebody saying, here he come up with something else new. Well, this newness has a start and an end. So before you say he ain't, he ain't finishing nothing, this is going to finish in September. <laughs> Hopefully, the, 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 the mission behind it will not end in September. Hopefully, the attitude that we have that's, that's rooted and grounded in God will not end in September. In September. But the formal expression of this for TNT 40 is between now and the middle of September. And we're asking everybody to get together. You, you say, I don't have, I'm not in a ministry group or whatever else. Just call someone and get in their group for this purpose. And whenever the ministries have an event, it's not just for them. When it, if they're having an event, everybody can come to that event. If you're able and it's scheduled, you can do that. You can go to that event because we're asking others from the community and everybody else to come join us in those events. We have some great grill masters at First African Baptist. Some folk who pride themselves in taking their grill out and, and, and putting it on the grill and doing chicken and lamb and, and uh, hot dogs and hamburgers and chicken and chicken. Did I say chicken? And chicken. <laughs> and so what I'm saying is, and I know, I know some of them, and, and, and if you're one of them, just let us know. If you, if you like to the grill and you, and you have your own grill thing, you can bring it out there to us and all, let us know. And we want to strategically do it throughout our community this month and next month and the 1st of September. 
That's what I'm asking us to do. And then we don't have to have church. We don't have to get a microphone and the pastor got to preach to them. We just got to fellowship with them because that's the other part it says, breaking bread, um, uh, apostle teaching, and the fellowship. And the fellowship is just letting people know we love you. We thank God for you. Let's pray that God can help you in your situation and listen to them pray. I took time to do this in a sermon because I want to make sure everybody get it, even though you're going to get it in writing also. But I want to make sure everybody has an opportunity to get it so nobody can say, oh, I, don't, I, I didn't know that meant me. So let me make it official. Every, like, I like, like the way he used to say in, in, the, in the old church, said, everybody under the sound of my voice. That, that, that's what they say, minister of officers. Everybody under the sound of my voice. I want you to hear, it's for you. I guess also you invited. It's for you. It's for you to make a difference in our community and not be afraid. The word of God teaches us perfect love casts out fear. And if we love God, we have to love others. We have to love these young kids. I, I'm talking about some young ones. I mean young, 13, 14 years old, uh, sporting weapons because they believe that somebody's coming after them. And so they're going to come after somebody else. We have to be a part of breaking it. We can be a part of breaking it because God has given us everything we need to be able to do that. If we choose anything other than love, we choose to be enslaved. Let me say it again. If we choose anything other than love, we choose to be enslaved. That's why we have to lock up in our houses, lock our doors. Lock our windows. <laughs> and we need to lock our cars. Because the police then told us that a great number of the guns that are out there in the community illegally are from people who left their cars open and their guns in the car and folks just went in the car, an unopened car, and took the gun out. Now, we got to help other folk with that. But we do not need to enslave ourselves by being afraid of the very people that God wants us to get to know him. The best way to have a safe community is to have a saved community. And the best way to have a saved community is for us to tell somebody. That's what he called us to do. Our love can free us. Our love can turn our situation around. Only love can free us. And only love can turn our situation to love. Only love can transform that hard-hearted neighbor. Only love can transform that mean and evil family member. Only love can make a difference in that person-in-law. Only love can transform a co-worker or an ex-friend. Only love can turn an enemy into a friend. Only love can transform you and transform me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, I was sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, 
now safe am I. All my heart to him I give, ever to him I cling. In his presence daily live, ever his praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, merit my soul's best song. Faithful, loving service too, to him belong. Souls in danger. Y'all got to hear me today. Souls in danger, look above. Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea. Billows his will obey. He your savior wants to be. Be saved today. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. How did love lift us? Because love came through 42 generations. Love came and went about doing good. Love came and allowed men to put nails in his hands, nails in his feet with a crown of thorns on his head. Can you see our Lord and Savior as he gave up himself that we might have life and have life more abundantly? Can you see the sacrifices that Jesus made for you and for me? Can you hear how they talked about him? Can you hear how they ridiculed him? But yet he went through all of that. So on this day, he could use us to do the work he called us to do. Can you see him hanging on the cross with nails in his hands, nails in his feet, crown of thorns on his head? Can you see him dying there for all of your sins, dying there for all of my sins? The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died that we might have life and have it more abundantly. But the story doesn't stop there. They placed him in a borrowed tomb. He stayed there all night Friday. Stayed there all day Saturday. Stayed there all night Saturday night. But early on that Sunday morning, he got up from the grave with power. Power over the grave. Victory over death. Can you see our Lord and Savior? He ascended into heaven. And he sent back the Holy Spirit to live in us. And to guide us. And to help us to be able to do his work. His work is love. His work is love. And he's placed love within us through the person of the Holy Spirit. And when we have love, we are free. We are free indeed. I thank the Lord. I am free because of the love that God has given me. I don't have to walk around and be imprisoned by hate because I love you. I don't have to worry about not forgiving you and walking around and trying to get around you. No, I'm just going to love because love is in us. Love will guide us. Love will protect us. Love will hold you. Love will keep you. Love will fill you. Love will turn the situation around. Love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. The, the word of God tells us to love. This song says, I was sinking deep in sin. You may be watching today and realize I'm deep in sin. I need love in my life. I need the Lord in my life. We invite you today to accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. The evidence that God is living in you, the evidence that the Holy Spirit dwells within you is how we love. And I always say I don't want anyone connected with First African, I don't want anybody to miss heaven and not understand what God has called us to do. You know, it's, 
it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of hard as pastor to say to us, we need to be in the community and care about people that may not care about us because it sounds very dangerous. We, we're fearful of, of who we could run up against. But I have to teach it because the word of God is clear. He said, he who will save his life will lose it. But he who will lose his life for my sake and the gospel, the same shall save it. What is the profit of man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? If we in fact truly love, we in fact truly will live in a way that those who don't know God will come to know him. And we care enough that they will do it. If you're watching, if you're here today and you want to accept Christ, there's a prayer I just want you to pray. The prayer entails that we tell the truth. The prayer will tell the truth. I've sinned. I've come short. That's everybody. I've sinned and come short. And we know that the ways of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. We will pray that we believe that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the grave. Romans 10, 9 says that if you shall confess your mouth to the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, you shall be saved. That's what's incorporated in this prayer that we will pray. So if you want to accept Christ, if you're watching and paying attention right now, we ask you to pray this prayer if you want the Lord in your life. Say, Father God, I have sinned. I have not been all I should be. I am sorry for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I believe in my heart. Jesus died for my sins and rose from the grave. I'm willing to trust you, God, all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Help me to be what you want me to be. I will tell others that you saved me. Thank you, God, for saving me right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. If you've accepted Christ, please let us know. You can text us or put in comments. Let us know. We'll work with you that you can grow in Christ. If you're here today and you want to accept Christ, just come forward, even as the choir sings, as, uh, as uh, Sister Anthony is saying, if you want to accept Christ, just come and stand in the front if you'd like to accept Christ on today. Won't you come? time now to turn to our church covenant. It's found on the inside of our hymnal. 
those who um, uh, need to receive the right hand of fellowship, and that's going to be Brother Elijah when he comes back up. All right. That's okay. That's good. Well, we'll read our church covenant. And uh, in the covenant, it's an agreement that we have between each other and with God. And it's a covenant we have among First African with each other and with God. We'll take time to read that together. And then we're asking those at home, please prepare yourselves for communion. Go ahead and get your bread and fruit of the vine to prepare for communion, because we will have communion immediately following our reading of the church covenant. Let's read together our church covenant. And it reads, Having been, as we trust, brought by divine grace to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ and to give ourselves wholly to him, we do now solemnly and joyfully covenant with each other to walk together in him with brotherly love to his glory as our common Lord. We do therefore in his strength engage that we will exercise a Christian care and watchfulness over each other and faithfully warn, exhort, and admonish each other as occasion may require, that we will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but will uphold the public worship of God and the ordinances of his house, that we will not omit closet and family religion at home, nor neglect the great duty of religiously training our children, and those under our care, for the service of Christ and the enjoyment of heaven, that as we are the light of the world and salt of the earth, we will seek divine aid to enable us to deny ungodliness and every worldly lust, and to walk circumspectly in the world that we may win the souls of men, that we will cheerfully contribute of our property according as God has prospered us for the maintenance of a faithful and evangelical ministry among us, for the support of the poor and to spread the gospel over the earth, that we will in all conditions, even till death, strive to live to the glory of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make us perfect in every good work to do his will, working in us that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Elijah, the only one need the right hand of fellowship. Have y'all had it already? Y'all haven't either? Okay. I need y'all to come forward. Elijah, come up here so we can see you. We can see your parents down there. You come right, stand right there. Face everybody. Face everybody. All right. Everyone. Okay. <laughs> Please give us your name. My name's Elijah. 
All right, Pastor Barnes. He's Elijah. That's not, come, come back up here, Elijah. I had you for another reason. Lakeisha Dean. Charles Dean. All right. All better known as the Dean family. All right. <laughs> Which was, I was, was going to say. <laughs> so, so we're asking now if, if all First African Baptists would stand, all First African Baptists stand. Please extend your hand to the Dean family. Dean family, extend your hand to them. All right, now shake. All right, you now receive the right hand of fellowship from every member of First African Baptist. God bless you. Thank you. You can be seated. <laughs> Thank you, Larry. As we come to the table, we come to remember how much God loves us, that Jesus came, died for our sins, rose from the grave. As we come to this table, we remember that as they were in the upper room, Jesus met with his disciples. He took the bread and the cup of and the fruit of the vine. On today, right now, we will take time to pray that God will bless these elements that could be used for the building of his kingdom. Let us pray. God, our creator, sustainer, we thank you for this opportunity to come to worship. And now as we come before this table, we recognize that how much you love us the sacrifice that Jesus made that we might have life and have it more abundantly. We come, God, asking you to change these carnal, from this carnal use to a spiritual use, that as we partake, we'll be spiritually strong to do the work you've called us to do. And God, if there's anyone who's been baptized and feel for some reason they're not worthy to partake, we ask you to change it right now. Create within us clean hearts and renew a right spirit within us that we can fellowship together, that we can commune together, that we may be strengthened together to do what you call us to do. Now bless these elements and bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. in the upper room after they given thanks Jesus took the bread and break it and said this is my body which is given for you take eat all of it likewise he took the cup and said this is my blood shed for the remission of sin drink all of it
after they had eaten after they had drank, they went out in fellowship. As we conclude our worship experience, we go out in a spirit of fellowship and a spirit of love to love one another and to do those things God would have us do. We're asking that as you leave on today, uh, we'll start with the rear and please follow the instructions of our ushers. We're going to leave pew by pew to give you an opportunity to not bunch up and uh, still keep the distance as we need to, to do. Those who are in worship online, thank you so much for sharing with us the first half of Baptist Church. Continue to keep us in prayer. We'll continue to keep you in prayer as well. So those who are seated, the ushers will come to your pew and escort you out. Um, I will meet those who would like to meet out outside. We'll be outside at the foot of the steps on the on the, on that side. <laughs> Let us pray. Really, <laughs> Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for the opportunity to come and assemble. Thank you for what our eyes have seen, our ears have heard, our hearts have felt. Guide us now, God that we know we're truly free and real freedom lies in a, the freedom to do what you would have us do the way you'd have us to do. Help us to love, help us to care, help us to be everything you've called us to be. And now we ask that the grace of God, the love of Jesus, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit would rest, rule, and abide us now, henceforth, and forevermore that all the people of God say amen, amen. and praise amen. God. Remain connected to us as we build God's kingdom together. Join us on Facebook at the historic First African Baptist Church and our website, firstafricanbc.com. You may also contribute through an app called Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y. May God bless you and thank you for worshiping with us.